<laughs> These are the worst knock-knock jokes in the world. Oh, knock, you found some. Great. Knock-knock. Who's there? A little old lady. A little old lady who? Wow, I didn't know you could yodel. It's <laughs> stupid. I know. <laughs> stupid. Knock-knock. Who's there? Cargo. Cargo who? Cargo beep-beep and vroom-vroom. I hate it. I knew. Knock-knock jokes are like so sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. How are you today, Anna? I'm doing all right, Mom. How are you? I'm a little sleepy today. Me too, man. It's kind of a sleepy 4th of July. Yes, we are recording this on 4th of July. It's a holiday. Happy. It's a national holiday for us. Yes, for all you Americans listening, happy Independence Day. And for everyone else, happy July 4th. There you go. <laughs> We've never really gotten too into 4th of July as a family, have we? No. We've never really. Like when you were little, we would sometimes go and watch fireworks. There were some fireworks last night that I could see from my house. Oh my gosh. There have been fireworks popping like for <laughs> Just two- constantly. Yeah, yes. for like two weeks at yeah. night. As soon as I go to bed, they start and they sound like, like well, you know how they sound. <laughs> I do know how fireworks sound. <laughs> yes. Pow, pow, Sorry, crackle, what's a crackle, firework? boom, boom. <laughs> yes. And they keep me awake and it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I think especially we live in a place where fireworks are not legal. So like as soon as 4th of July comes around, that all kind of goes out the window. So people take advantage of it so they can make things explode. Well, and we live in a place where within like 10 minutes you can drive and And get get legal fireworks and then bring them to where we live. So we're right in that place where it's pretty easy to do that. And I am appalled by that. I'm appalled, I tell you. That's fine. (laughs) You're, you're so laid back, Yana. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> as long as you don't blow your hands off. Honestly, and even then, it's not my hands. I wish no, you would have been true. more careful. Make wise choices fine. with your hands, people. <laughs> yes. Careful with your hands. So we talked about doing something kind of patriotic or something for today. Yeah, we will talk in just a second about subject because there's a few things we need to button up. Okay. I mean, we don't have to. No, go ahead. Do the business. It's not like we're on a podcast or anything where we need to like update people about (laughs) podcast shit. Are you going to be sassy today? (laughs) Maybe. I guess. That might be where it's going. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Well, I do want to apologize that we didn't have a new episode last week. We're kind of getting to this place where we've toyed with the idea of doing bi-weekly episodes instead of weekly, but mm-hmm. especially with everything going on, we're kind of getting to this place where we're like, we don't have the energy to do four a month, but three a month seems to be kind of where we can stand. So we might just end up doing like three out of four weeks a month for episodes. Okay. We want to give ourselves some leeway and like, if we don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. 
We know what to do it. You're really letting them behind the curtain when you tell them all that stuff. Like they know our stuff now. So I want them to. I don't want them to be blindsided when we don't give episodes to them. Don't worry about us if you don't hear from us for a week. For a week, yes. It just means that we're getting ready for the next one. We're mentally preparing. Yes. Sometimes it takes Shoring longer up. than usual. We're girding our loins. <laughs> girding our podcast loins. <laughs> podcast loins. <laughs> I was also informed by a friend of the show, Michelle. Uh, she is our resident California expert because mm. she happens to live there. And in one of our last episodes, we were trying to figure out how to pronounce Lajala, Lajala as we a We still city. don't know how, apparently. She was like, hey, if you ever need help pronouncing things, just let me know. I'm like, what did we mess up? She goes, it's pronounced La Jolla. Which we never would have gotten, so well, I don't want feel you, too Now that bad. you say it out loud, I know, I know of La Jolla. I just, sure. You didn't connect that those no, were the same place. No, no. Yeah. So yeah. thanks, Michelle. Sorry, Michelle. We'll ask. <laughs> Next time we'll ask. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is that like Spanish or something? Is that why we... Probably. La Jolla. We've also got some new reviews. <gasps> Can I read them? Oh my gosh, please do. So they're both five-star reviews. <gasps> they're wow. both from Apple Podcasts. The first one is titled, Hilarious, Heartwarming, and Super Interesting. Thanks, ladies, for being fabulous. I love your relationship with each other. As someone who also works in the healing sector, it's so informative and so wonderful to listen to you two both. I love your podcast so much. And that's from Melissa White Medium on Apple. Thank you. And the next one is titled, Great Show. This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. I love the comedy sprinkled in with knowledgeable and relevant information. While I do not work in the mental health, I am a teacher and find that I have been able to exercise more empathy and understanding as a result of some of the great conversations that have taken place on this podcast. Highly recommend. And that is from Mrs. Amber Hatley on Apple. Oh, a teacher. We love teachers. We love teachers. We show in us. In this house, we stand teachers. That's right. We do. We do. So do they, can you send them a... I believe I'm sending one of them a sticker. Good, good. Please do remember that if you give us a review to send us your email or your real mail. Yes. Your snail mail your, address. Your physical mail. Your address. So we can cover address. your ass. <laughs> That's the word. Address. That's the old-fashioned word for where you live. Yes. So we your, can come to your, your house your and say house, hello. Your house uh, state, state, your house. Your house location there you go <laughs> so we can send you a sticker because we want to send you a sticker if you we give us a reward you because you have rewarded please us please do so remember to do that yes okay now what do we want to talk about this week to show our patriotism to show how invested we are in the fate in of our, our country, country. <laughs> Well, as Anna said, we are Americans. This is America. This is America. And boy, there's a lot been going on in America lately. I guess around the world, Too but much. especially in America. So we talked about how we would talk I'm about... i need another drink. I was just going to say, I think I'm going to need this too. We were talking about how we should uh, address the Independence Day celebration as far as talking about patriotism and being part of this great country, because it is a great country. I respect our country. And, and um, it's an all right country. It's a good country to live. <laughs> but one of the things that we think about, and maybe it's just because of what we're going through right now, but is is the importance of our our a leaders, strong leaders, our leaders in our country, and that led us to well, how how do we tie that back to our podcast about psychology? And so we came up with talking about mental health of our presidents. 
Yeah. Through history. And I want to stress that actually the reason we're doing this, because there have been some specific incidents that I'll talk about, maybe mom will talk about, that mental health of the leaders has been used to, like, disparage them Mm -hmm. and knock them down a little bit. But actually, when we're talking about it, I want to normalize it. Mm -hmm. I want to look at these people, many of whom were very great leaders, and say they were doing this despite struggling with this. Right. Because we're all struggling with something, and that doesn't mean we can't do important stuff. Right. It just means that we have more to fight than Mm -hmm. maybe someone else would. And just a couple of episodes ago, we talked about um, narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah, we should make a little disclaimer, huh? (laughs) We should disclaim that this podcast is for entertainment purposes, Mm -hmm. informational purposes. We're Mm -hmm. not making a statement about any diagnoses in particular. I know that during that episode I brought up... You got a little bit diagnosed. Good old Trump. (laughs) And I maybe mentioned some of the similarities between what we were talking about and his actions. But it's not like I would ever come out with an actual statement that says... Right. As counselors, we we are bound by ACA ethics. American Counseling Association. Thank you. You're the one who always does that for me. And we do take that very seriously. Mm -hmm. That's part of what we choose to follow when we agree that that we're going to be licensed. And one of those rules in those ethics says that you cannot just diagnose somebody by observing them from a distance. You have to be working with them. Right. And so whether it's us talking about President Trump or someone else, if we've never actually sat down and worked with them in a counseling, in a therapy situation, we cannot diagnose them. Right. And there's a lot of diagnosing. And and I'm going to stick with Trump for a minute. There, I mean, there have been books written. Oh, sure. There have been... many shows podcasts whatever people talking about you know basically diagnosing him from a distance right i think the way i look at it is especially when we work in mental health it may be easy to look at someone who we're not treating and say oh wow they have some markers of maybe this disorder or this disorder and i think the way i would look at it is if i'm pointing that out to them I want it to be like, hey, you should get checked for this. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you should get help because this might be something that you're struggling with that is affecting your life. You meet certain criteria that would lead us to believe that perhaps... And you may want to rule it out. Right. Like, you want to find your own professional and rule it out for yourself, Mm -hmm. not for us, really. Right. Okay, so to add on to that, the idea about when we talked about narcissism, we talked during that episode about how people who have narcissistic personality disorder can be great leaders. Absolutely, they yeah. Can, they're very often very charismatic, and many people who are leaders of one sort or another, whether it's a president of the United States or a cult leader or <laughs> sure. whatever, that they perhaps have some of those criteria. Right. That goes back to what you said, that though they may have those mental illnesses, they can choose... To use their powers for good. That's a very good way to say it. They could choose to use their powers for good. Right, right. So let's talk about just the idea of, I mean, I wouldn't want to be president. Me neither. I mean, yeah, the, oh the stress of <laughs> yeah. being the president, yeah. the leader of the free world, as they call it sometimes. Yes. You know, I there. Mm. it's a lot right. of pressure. And I think right. that's something that we need to keep in mind as we talk about all the specific people that we'll talk about, which is like, 
what's the effect that a presidency has on a mental health? Right. Like, what, especially when some of the people that we, we talk about are well known because they were presidents during really tumultuous times in history. Mm-hmm. So often, even when people aren't going through something really tough as a president, you look at like the pictures when they first got in office and when they last mm-hmm. got in office, like mm-hmm. Lincoln is the one that comes to mind, right obviously, away. with that, yeah. which... He had a lot going on during his presidency. We'll talk about him. But you look at the pictures when he was first in office and then when he was after, he looks like a totally different person. I think I noticed that more as an adult now. I mean, when I looked back at history pictures, I don't think I thought about that as much. But watching, like, especially for me, I thought President Obama aged a great deal. I mean, not just his gray hair, although his hair was like... For sure. Very. It's always like a gauntness. That's it. It's like they're just wrung out. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And I noticed that with Bush, too. Yeah. uh, President Bush. He just, from the beginning to the end, he just looked so worn out. Worn out, yeah. Mentally exhausted. And and I can't, I can't begin to imagine the kind of pressure that you would have every night when you lay down to go to sleep. Yeah. And you think about, you know, so much. <laughs> I know for me, one of the big things would be people don't like me. Yeah. You know, because I've got that thing. Your approval rating. <laughs> don't tell me, don't tell me my approval rating. Nobody likes me. <laughs> I was going to say your approval rating is 97%. That's a 3% disapproval rating. 3% this is people awful. Don't like me. I mean, wouldn't that be horrible to yeah. hear that like 50% of the Which people don't like all you? all politics is, is I trying know. to make more people like you. It's constant. <laughs> I, I just, Sounds right like now there's nightmare. a, there's a Netflix show called The Politician. Have you seen no. that? It is a weird show, <laughs> but so, you know, I would be watching it sure, because it's weird, but it kind of delves into that, just the, the mindset of a politician, mm-hmm. this very young man who's set on being president of the United States someday and how he's said his whole I mean talk about mental illness this young man woo has some mental illness but you know just the mindset of how he can't let things get to him personally you know right you gotta develop a pretty thick skin which goes back to the narcissistic thing again yeah you know you kind of have an edge if you don't let things get under your skin and we talked in that episode about having kind of a spectrum of narcissism Mm -hmm. where you've got to get to a certain point on the spectrum just to be successful Mm -hmm. because then it won't bother you you won't crash and burn if it's not going well right So I agree with you completely that even if, you know, we all have, we've talked about this before, we all have stuff. Yeah. Everybody has stuff. But depending on what's going on in your life, it's sometimes easier to cope with your stuff or it does, your stuff doesn't become agitated, you know? Yeah. You can kind of just live with it under the surface and it's not real noticeable. But when you get under a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure, which would be the president's. That would be it. That would break things loose that maybe weren't really shaken before Or like they were hereditary and they were just sort of waiting in the wings and then they, yeah, got triggered basically by what was going on. Right. So you and I talked to each other before we started recording about how we both had read in a study that like half of all presidents had some criteria that would show that maybe they had mental illness yeah, of some sort. It was a study by Jonathan Davidson at the Duke University Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And he looked at biographical sources for the first 37 presidents, and half of them had been afflicted by mental illness. 27% met those criteria while they were in office. Yeah. So obviously, and I think, like you said, that's the reason that people look at Trump and try to remotely diagnose him. Right. Because a lot of people, when they look at the stuff Trump is doing, they're attributing it to a possible mental illness. And then if that's the case, that needs to be treated so he won't put the country in jeopardy. Right. And that's something, I don't know, I've never heard, like, has there ever been, like, anybody ask him, do you go to counseling? Do you I see a know. therapist? I don't know. Because this is, I, I wanted to, to jump 
to the side for a minute and say something about Bill Clinton because this kind of goes along with that idea. So everybody, I think, even younger generations know the stories about Bill Clinton and the, his affair with Monica the Lewinsky. Scandal. The scandal at him. But Which, I mean, in my research, I also read that there's part of that that was it a, an affair or was it something more insidious? And then if that is true, which definitely a power dynamic there. Well, she was like she half was young, his age, she right? She was an intern for the she president. She was like 20 years old. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that there's a lot going on. A whole on. other conversation yeah. of like the ethics of right. consent. But okay, so this would have been in 1998. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a little girl then. One of the big things that Bill Clinton's PR people did to fight the negative press about what was happening was, and this is a direct quote from an article that I read, it said, his staff assured reporters that the president was not seeking help from any mental health professional. So like they said it like- Don't worry, guys. Yeah, don't worry. He's not going to see a counselor. We're leaving this totally untreated. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Exactly. So during all the scandal and then the impeachment and all that stuff that was happening, you know, his staff was going around saying- don't worry, don't worry, he's not going to get counseling because like, <laughs> it's like the opposite. But then this is really interesting. Just recently, just a couple years ago, they were doing a, a documentary on Hillary mm. and they interviewed Bill Clinton about kind of about that time, about what was happening. And what he said during the documentary was, this is a quote from him, quote, it's not a defense, it's an explanation. It was awful. I feel terrible. I thought to myself, here's something that will take my mind off of things for a while. I did lots of things to manage my anxiety in those years. So he talked about at length in this interview about how he had all this anxiety Um, for being president. Yeah. And so he was looking for ways to distract himself, like defense mechanisms, you know, basically. An unhealthy coping mechanism, uh, Billy. Coping coping, uh, and self-medicating, basically. Yeah. You know, self-medicating with sex, I guess, or with whatever that was. And so I guess we'll use that kind of as a stepping stone into someone I want to talk about named Barry Goldwater. Uh-huh. Who was not a president. Did you see this? No, but oh. <laughs> poor Barry had a lot of bad press. And good press too, but mostly bad press. Tell Do you me remember about, it? Tell me about Barry. That was you were very you were just a little baby when Yeah, I don't really remember it myself. I just remember the you know, studying it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Barry Goldwater ran in 1964 against Lyndon B. Johnson. So he already kind of the way, the way Nathan told me. So my husband. You, you need to give your husband I, some credit. I am going to give my husband a lot of credit. <laughs> a lot of the people that I have on my list is because I was like, hey, honey, what presidents had mental illness? And you just started <laughs> listing them off. Uh, so we watched Jeopardy with Anna's husband the other night, and he is an impressive man. He is a imp- very smart man, <laughs> very smart man, smart loves, guy. Loves history, loves politics. He must so. be smart because he married you, Anna. Wow, that's yeah. He got custody of the brain cell forever and ever. <laughs> no, he found someone so, who is very smart to marry. So he told me about Barry Goldwater. So, like I said, against Lyndon B. Johnson, and Nathan talked about how he was. Goldwater was already kind of in a bad state to run because people didn't want, after JFK and then Lyndon B. Johnson, they didn't want to shake it up more by kind of putting another person in office. Right. So he already had that not going for him. And then he was painted as dangerous by LBJ's campaign. So Goldwater's slogan was, in your heart, you know he's right. And the Johnson administration flipped that to, in your guts, you know he's nuts. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, so... Ouch, ouch, ouch. And in your heart, you know he might. 
So basically what they were saying was he is mentally ill to the point where he is going to use nuclear weapons against people instead of just using deterrence. There was this ad that I read about, horrible, really famous, infamous, I would say, called the Daisy ad, where it was... This little girl sitting in a field, like, picking a flower. Oh, my gosh. I know. I've seen that. Yeah. Yes. It's horrible. And so she's, like, picking a flower. And then, yeah, basically an atomic bomb Mm -hmm. goes off in the background. And as it fades to white, it says it was, like, says, like, vote for LBJ or whatever. Oh, my God. Horrible. Oh, my God. So, like, the worst kind of mudslinging Mm -hmm. and basically saying, like, this guy is not – fit for the presidency because of these people saying his mental health was an issue. He denounced the KKK, though, which is great. And I say that's great because the bar for great things for presidency is pretty low because I can name someone who isn't denouncing the KKK. Anyway, so this whole situation created the Goldwater Rule. And it's it's an actual thing in the American Psychiatric Association, like, standards for ethics. They, okay. they adopted the Goldwater Rule. The Goldwater Rule basically says you can't diagnose from afar. You can't make an actual statement. That's basically what we were talking about before. Yes. Yeah. So... I didn't know it was called the Goldwater Rule, though. That's yeah. kind of interesting. It's basically... Unethical for any psychiatrist to diagnose a public figure's condition unless he or she has conducted an examination and has been granted proper authorization for such a statement. So again, we do have to be careful about clarifying that we are an entertainment podcast and these are our own opinions. They are not statements from us as professionals. They're opinions from people who like psychology. But some one of those books that's out there right now about Trump was was like opinions of like twenty seven psychiatrists and psychologists. Like they're so they're like going against the rules. I guess. Somebody should shame them. I wonder if there was repercussion for that. Oh, that's a good question. We actually mentioned in another episode, our uh, electroconvulsive therapy episode, we talked about a guy named Thomas Eagleton, who was a vice presidential candidate in 1972. And basically the story there was that he underwent ECT in like the 1960s due Mm. to a diagnosis of bipolar 2. And when that came out during the vice presidential campaign, people used it to mudsling against him. Mm -hmm. Like, he's crazy. Right. The press just kept going with it and kept, like, calling it shock therapy and just mm-hmm. sensationalizing. So it hurt his it chances. It hurt it. Sure. Of course it did. So that leads us into we're talking about these potential mental illnesses just from biographical sources. But right. we're not saying, oh, and that's the reason they were a bad president or a good president. <laughs> like, we're saying if you are getting the proper treatment for anything, it's just like a like a physical health thing. Mm-hmm. If you're getting the proper treatment for it, you can still do stuff. It's fine. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. So who should we talk about first? I think we should talk about the big one first. Really? To jump into it? I do. Let's do it. Because I think that'll take the most amount of our time. And then so. we'll, we'll just kind of add a few. few time in. for afterwards. Yeah. The authors of that study that Anna quoted before the said that um, Duke? the John Davidson Duke study. Johnson? Yeah. Jonathan Davidson. John Davidson. Jonathan Johnson, not Johnson. I've been looking at a lot of names in the past 24 hours. Okay, I got it. But they conclude in their study that 24% of the presidents that they looked at met the diagnostic criteria for depression during the presidency or before. Mm, I think during. 
It doesn't say specifically. C24 surprises me because I would think it would be higher. Yeah. But including, and I'm just going to read these and then we'll jump into the main. Okay. uh, Including James Madison, John Quincy Adams, Franklin Pierce, Calvin Coolidge, and Abraham Lincoln. Da-da-da. Ta-da. There's your intro. (laughs) Yeah. Abraham Lincoln is one that we will probably talk about the most during this episode. Just because there's a lot written about him. He was really beloved. I personally, I want to have a beer with Abraham Lincoln. Oh, me too. Like, he just seems like such a genuine dude. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of good things about him, but also there were a lot of critical stuff. There were a lot of critics about... There were... (laughs) He had many critics. He had many critics. Because, again, he was president during a really... An incredibly tumultuous time. time. Yes. So just... I mean, I would argue one of the greatest, if not the greatest, time of, yeah. of division Brother and, against brother. I mean, literally yeah. killing each other right. in America. I mean, I don't know how you right. compare anything else to that. So it's kind of hard to know where to start because you look at Lincoln and you think, well, of course he had depression because he, all of this was going on all around him. But quite literally, what we find out from studying his life is that he was a person who dealt with depression before he was president. Yeah, and actually from accounts of his parents, uh, his mom was often described as sad. Even by Abe himself, Abe like thought really highly of her and was was like, oh yeah, she was so smart and she went so wonderful and just sad. She's <laughs> just really sad. So, I mean, again, there's this time. And at the time, it was called melancholy. We didn't have depression as a term, so we called it melancholy. I say we. I wasn't there. But... <laughs> Thanks for me as a that's as a good a word, and I, I like that you that you made that word up for them. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So it fits even when you look at his picture. That's a perfect he's word. Sad. He's melancholy. He's melancholy. Like, yeah, yeah, that's his word. His dad was pretty social, pretty upbeat, but he also had what a neighbor was quoted as saying was some strange sort of spells. Uh, where he just wanted to be alone, and that he got the blues a lot. Mm. So yeah, they probably both also had depression, and we know that depression does have a hereditary component. So Abe's already kind of got a rough start here. like, right, right. And that's kind of one of those things that we talk about where maybe this would have been a manageable thing if there weren't so many things that happened in his life that triggered that to, to get worse. Because good lord, besides the presidency stuff, he just had so much personal trauma yeah. in his life. Kids dying and... Yeah, one thing I read that he just had a lot of deaths in his like personal circle, but unfortunately that that was a really common thing. And so historical scholars basically argue, well... Everybody went through that? Yeah, did, did that actually cause you to have grief and be depressed because that was such a common thing i still think it would bum you out a little i think so too in my professional opinion but okay there are reports about abraham lincoln having suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. several reports yeah throughout his life here's a quote from abraham lincoln when he was 31 years old he said quote i am now the most miserable man living oh whether i shall ever be better i cannot tell i awfully forebode i shall not to remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better. End of quote. He was 31 when he said that. So that was 1840. Oh my I God, believe. you're going to do math? That was 20 years before his presidency. I mean, to put this in perspective, this was a lifelong thing right. for Abraham Lincoln. Right. I, I read that he had a pretty sunny disposition and he was actually a really, he was a funny guy. If you've ever read like Abraham Lincoln quotes and stuff, he was just a really good orator. He was very charismatic. He was, he was funny. And 
people generally liked him. He had kind of this upbeat sense of humor and personality, Mm -hmm. but that he would often fall into bouts of depression. And the first major one that really made people think that he had melancholy was in 1835, where there were serious concerns about his mental health because he was he was about 26. He was really sinking into his law studies, and people around him said that it was to the point where he would neglect his own physical health, he became emaciated, and he would just totally focus on that. Someone said that Lincoln told them he felt like committing suicide often, That was, and that was his a school teacher of his, Mentor Graham. I think mentor is his first name, but I don't not, know. Not it might like be a title. A I'm not sure. <laughs> he was a school teacher. Is that just a title? I don't know. Mentor Graham. Um, and actually, Abraham's neighbors and friends kind of mobilized to keep him safe. They would kind of Aww. be on Abraham watch where they would make sure he didn't hurt himself, which is so sad that they had to do that. But also, he was blessed to have people around him. He that was. He seemed to have a really good, yeah. Because people loved him. He, mm-hmm. he was beloved. Absolutely. He was even locked up by his friends to prevent derangement or suicide, a quote said. So yeah, the public was critical of Abe because of the melancholy, but also people knew that he had it and didn't totally shun him. They wanted to help him. It was it's just really sad. You look very sad, and I agree with that look. I know. I'm. I'm. I, I found a list of some of the deaths that he. Um, that I know one was his his son is the one that I always think about. Oh, his fiance died too. Yeah, didn't she? like his no his his, fir- li- his little brother love. his little brother Thomas died just days after his birth and then um his mother died in 1818 when he was just nine years old Mm -hmm. um then in 1828 his sister sarah died in childbirth along with the baby who was still born and he also continued through his life to grieve like you said the love of his life ann rutledge Rutledge, she died in 1835 well then when he was engaged to marry todd at one point, their engagement broke. Like, they ended up getting married, but at mm-hmm. one point, they kind of broke up. So he was went into a depression about that. And then, you know, the entirety of the Civil War. Yeah, the Civil War that. had a few deaths in it. Yeah. That probably affected him. Um, his second son, um, Robert was his first son, and he lived a long life. Um, but his second son, Edward, was born in 1846 and died in 1850 mm. from tuberculosis. Their third son, William, Willie, was born a year after Edward's death and then died at age 11 mm. while they were in the White House. We are getting all this information from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, by the way. <laughs> Vampire Hunter? Vampire Slayer. I think it's Hunter. I think it's Hunter. Okay. Yeah. That's our only source. Actually, I do want to mention our source, because even... A lot of this stuff comes from an article that's from uh, this book. My husband gave me this book. Thanks again, Nathan. Hey, Thanks, Nathan. Nathan. Thanks, hey. man. So this is called Lincoln's Melancholy, mm-hmm. How Depression Challenged a President and Fueled His Greatness. And it's by Joshua Wolf Shank. if you are interested in that, if that's a topic that you want to learn more about. And also, we could probably do a whole episode on Lincoln, too. I know. I know. From that book, it talked about how the author stresses that Lincoln basically learned that he was going to have, you know, he he built coping skills and he turned that toward the good, basically. Healthy coping skills. Yes. He had good coping coping skills. skills. Whereas Bill was pressuring interns to do nasty stuff. Yeah, doing the nasty. (laughs) Lincoln's coping (laughs) skills, the the one I read was humor. 
Right. He's, he just dove into humor entertainment. Over and over again, I read about how his mental illness and his depression that he dealt with helped him so much to be empathetic toward people. Yeah. And it helped him during all of that that was going on in the country to do good for people. Right. From one of his speeches, when he went into a second term of office, the really famous quote from him says, with malice toward none, with charity for all. I remember studying this in school when I was a kid. With firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds. Wow. But it's it was all about, you know, being kind to each other. We would need to have a beer with Abe right now. I know. Our country needs to have a beer we with Abe. We need to break out the Ouija board. <laughs> no? <laughs> we decided no Ouija boards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not not in 2020, that's for damn sure. So back to the idea that so Abraham Lincoln dealt with a mental illness, and yet he was arguably one of the greatest leaders of all yeah. time in our country. Pretty consistently ranked as one of the and top presidents. And he probably presidents. did not see a therapist. He probably, we know he didn't yeah, have any no antidepressants. I think, probably. Yeah. Everyone listen to the Tennis podcast if you want to hear, like, the top 10 presidents. They did that in an episode. Oh, cool. I think they also did the most hated presidents. So that could be fun, too. <laughs> if you just want to... <laughs> We just want to hate for a while. Yeah, we just just want to hate for a while. Just bask in the hatred Mm -hmm. a little bit. Okay, let's talk about somebody else. Who should we talk about? Let's bounce to Lyndon B. Johnson. All righty then. So we mentioned Lyndon B. Johnson. LBJ. LBJ was the one who uh, (laughs) dragged Goldwater's name through the mud. Yeah. So that's a bummer. But LBJ himself, now we will mention here, LBJ got into office by being the vice president of John F. Kennedy, who we all know was tragically assassinated. Mm -hmm. And that's how LBJ got sworn into office originally. He did end up earning a second term, being reelected. But by slamming slamming the competition. Yeah, I think they played a little dirty, but yeah, a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I asked Nathan about it, he said, and I quote, oh, he was a notorious a-hole. <laughs> so apparently there was stuff in general that people didn't like him. Like, again, this is from Nathan. I didn't double check this source, uh-huh. but uh, LBJ apparently made people talk to him while he was on the toilet just to like humiliate them. So oh, gosh. not great stuff. But many sources theorize that he was possibly struggling with bipolar disorder. So if we look at bipolar disorder, irritability and anger is not technically one of the symptoms However, when we look at the mania part of bipolar disorder, yeah, Mm -hmm. it can really manifest in anger and those really impulsive decisions that clearly aren't thought out. That is pretty typical of mania. Mania is just a heightened state of mood. I don't Mm -hmm. think we've talked about bipolar, have we? No, not yet. Yikes. Okay. That's going to be an episode. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've dealt with a lot of people struggling with bipolar that it manifests as anger. It manifests as yes, dangerous behavior. Yes, I agree. Very often. Yeah. Risk-taking. Then that would probably fit some of the things that he did. Right. That he would, you know, he jumped right in there and took big risks. Yeah. Here's the name of another book called Lyndon Johnson and the American Dream. This is by Doris Kearns Goodwin. And one of the things that she wrote about LBJ's last days in office, so toward the end of his presidency, she said, In the past, Johnson had displayed a fine sense of discrimination about his political opponents, recognizing his enemies today might be his allies tomorrow. So he was kind of careful about that. Now he became unrestrained and reckless, creating a fantasy world of heroes and villains. Members of the White House staff who had listened to the violent name-calling were frightened by what seemed to them signs of paranoia. 
That's interesting. That is interesting. But that would, that's not usually a bipolar thing. No, no. Nope. That would be something else. Right. Although maybe he had those fits of anger during his manic phase and right. that came out in that way. Is there mania psychosis? I actually think there might be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that could actually, if it was paranoia and actually delusions, mm-hmm. it could have been a mania thing. Uh-huh. We just fixed it. We fixed it. There we go. I, I Good will thing also we looked say, at it. like, we want to also make the clarification that we were talking about, like, the Goldwater rule. And, I, I mean, the Goldwater rule doesn't really apply to these people because they are historical figures. They're not actively running for office or right. in office or anything right. like that. But, so that leans more to something called retrospective diagnosis, which is something that historians engage in quite often. And there's benefit here in doing this, like looking at historical figures and giving more context to them with methods and medicinal stuff that we know now. So we're able to look at people's behavior that maybe was unexplained back then and be able to apply more knowledgeable criticism to right, it. Right, right. So there That's is there is it. benefit in looking back and saying, mm-hmm. actually, it would make sense if he struggled with this that would probably explain some of the things he did hindsight is twenty twenty, or whatever that saying is that is the saying i don't know why you would question it <laughs> pretty easy saying <laughs> one source i saw said that he fell into a depression after his first heart attack lbj did which is a pretty normal reaction after having a heart attack yeah I'll they say. actually when you have heart surgery that's one of the things they really warn you about yeah is depression they broke your heart yeah. <laughs> Cut into it. <laughs> I'd say so. But the doctors who were around LBJ at the time even qualified that this one was unusually severe. That this was something that was kind of out of out of the realm, hmm. even for like normal depression. Do you know after when this. he had his heart attack? Uh-uh. No. But I, I did see that he was still characterized by like these violent mood swings that we now maybe look at that and say that's probably bipolar disorder. But now the mood swings would be even more volatile because his depression was lower. Right. So it was a higher jump to his manic states when he would get into those. So they still had to walk on eggshells even more. They said his only antidote was Lady Bird, his wife, Lady Bird Johnson, and letters that she read to him. And she has a very good reputation as being someone who was very... Yeah, and speaking of bad coping mechanisms, that's cute and all that she was his only antidote, but his mood swings and manic states included pretty constant and blatant infidelity. So yeah, again, not a great coping mechanism for your mental health. Everyone see a therapist, please. (laughs) Even if you're the president. Especially if you're the president, a therapist. (laughs) Don't see Anna. No, don't see me. Mr. President, because please. Actually, she I would be I a little just, biased. <laughs> not even it's not a personal thing. It's any president. I don't want that. I don't want that responsibility. Yeah. No, I wouldn't want that either. But you know, this goes back to even though he had um this mental illness and he had these struggles and bad ways of coping apparently. Yeah. He did some very important things for our country. For sure. One of the big things cuz we were talking about history and how Anna and I history is not our strong No, point. we're not <laughs> When when mom says we were talking about history, that's we were we were going like Dumb. oh god oh god uh. oh god. But he's the one who did the Clean Air mm-hmm. Act, yeah, and Clean Water Act stuff. So that was huge for us. Now, if that hadn't been put in place by his administration, God knows what would have happened. And also, so. I'll say, and Nathan was telling me about this too. I think it 
it's fair to look differently at the people who became president by stepping up from vice president after a really traumatic event. Yes. I mean, yes. especially LBJ, he was following JFK. There's a, so many acronyms there. Did they? Is that why they ran together? I don't know. They had to have acronyms. I mean, Kennedy was really loved. Oh, yeah. I mean, would, That would be terrible to follow Kennedy. God, that's a hard act to follow. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we've got we've to put that in That was kind of like when I became too. a kindergarten teacher after the most loved kindergarten teacher in the whole world yeah. at the school. And everyone loved her so much. She was and it was great. like, okay, Bonnie, now it's your turn. And I was like, oh, God. It is just it's, like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I totally empathize with LBJ. LBJ Mom gets dude. it. I know. I want to go back to uh, for a second to the infidelity thing because that's something we hear a lot about how the presidents, even the ones that we didn't know were fooling around, were right. fooling around. And that's kind of become big in the last couple of generations like that we say, you know, every president has had affairs or whatever. That is one of those things, I don't know how to put it, socially, culturally, that when people are under a lot of stress and anxiety, it tends to push them into extramarital affairs or, you know, they, they try to escape. And that goes back to what Clinton said that right. he was trying to escape from it. So it kind of he did it fits. in a stupid, dumb way. Yes. If you're trying to escape, don't <laughs> fool around with the intern, stupid. <laughs> don't fool around would be a good advice, <sighs> but yes, yeah, full mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. But Nathan did mention that the VP thing, like the vice presidents, he said that vice presidents are generally like from what he has seen. So this is probably an opinion thing too. More like normal people the people who like choose to be the vice president on a ticket are maybe fundamentally different than the people who choose to be the president on a ticket that's interesting like he he said that most people like uh truman was a vice president he seemed like a really normal guy he said ford struck him as a normal guy and ford was vice president Mm -hmm. so i mean like there's a lot that goes into maybe the psychology of how much stress a person's willing to put themselves through from the get-go do you think part of that though too is that the they choose a running mate who kind of balances them a little bit maybe i think that's a good point too kind of gives them a overall balance maybe or maybe the people seeking to be president are more grandiose and they're kind of pressured to seek someone who will yeah. tamp them down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. So back to the, quoting the book that we, started, that we started with, or the study from Jonathan Davidson and Duke University. They said that the team concluded that about 8% of presidents had signs of bipolar disorder. Wow. Yep. 8%. And so Lyndon Johnson was one of them, but also Theodore Roosevelt. Do you have stuff on him? Do I? One of the things that Theodore Roosevelt did was to go on a two-year expedition through the jungles, the Amazon, and of his party that went with him, there were 19 expedition members. They lost like several of their members. A majority of them died. A whole bunch of them died because it was such a dangerous thing. Yes. But that was one of the things they point to that that's the kind of thing that he would do. He would do crazy dangerous stuff. That qualifies reckless behavior, which is a big part of mania. Right. Right. A lot of people that knew him said that he was pretty consistently reckless right. in his choices, which is a strange thing for us to vote into office <laughs> as a president, but okay. Hmm, we tend to do that, it I seems. guess. Well, when you were talking about calling Abraham Lincoln's depression melancholy, mm-hmm. um, they called Teddy Roosevelt's mania exuberance. Ah, sure. Exuberance. It's kind of like that thing where a man will do something and it gets called 
assertive and then a woman does it and it gets called it's aggressive a bossy yeah (laughs) it's something like that when nathan was kind of pacing around the room mentioning presidents he said teddy roosevelt was god's gift to teddy roosevelt (laughs) so so yeah that's a good one could be part of a i have a quote from a journalist who said after meeting teddy roosevelt you had to quote ring the personality out of your clothes <laughs> oh i kind of love that actually. i do too actually i would like for people i, to I say know that i want to be me. that person <laughs> i want to be the person you're ringing out of your clothes <laughs> if only can we hop to someone else please do except i guess i would say you know before we move on from teddy and that is that he also did a lot for our country. I mean, there was big stuff happening, but he also had a lot of critics. Yeah. And today, I don't think has you're ever going to find too. a president who doesn't have a lot of critics. Yeah. It's an extremely divisive position Absolutely. by its very nature. Absolutely. So, okay. James Madison was another one who struggled with depression. And again, it was called melancholy then. Following a friend's death, he wrote to another friend, As to myself, I am too dull and infirm now to look out for any extraordinary things in this world. For I think my sensations for many months have intimated to me not to expect a long or healthy life. Mm -hmm. Therefore, have little spirit or elasticity to set about anything that is difficult in acquiring and useless in possessing after one has exchanged time for eternity. Which, again, he was going through grief at that time. Right. So we can't necessarily call that depression by itself. But from things that I read, he suffered from what was called inertia. He hoped for an early death, which we would call passive suicidality. Right. um, Where you're not actively planning to hurt yourself, but that those thoughts are in your head. They actually treated this with bloodletting, which is (laughs) great. Makes perfect sense. Totally. Because when I'm a little down... I don't know. We should probably pull like a sawbone situation where we talk about weird medical treatments of mental illnesses. Put that on our list. I did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I already did. You're so good. Thomas Jefferson was possibly on the autism spectrum. This one's... Oh, that's interesting. ...pretty hard to to state, especially since this was in like 1801 to 1809 is when he was president. So pretty early on... It was said that he was unable to relate to others on a social level. He had real social issues. Yeah. 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 I read that too. Which is very interesting. How do you get to be president when you... (laughs) Yeah, because in that same paragraph that I read about Thomas Jefferson, it mentioned uh, Ulysses Grant and Coolidge and Woodrow Wilson, and that they all had criteria that perhaps they met, in the very least, some kind of anxiety disorder, ranging from social phobia to generalized anxiety disorders. (laughs) So how so how do you it, get to be present with social phobia? Exactly. Yeah, and like I how- literally said that out loud when I was reading the paragraph. <laughs> I was like, "What? How, how do you what?" Yeah, and yeah. Thomas Jefferson. It said that he struggled with public speaking and was sensitive to loud noises. I mean, <laughs> dude, speaking. You are in the wrong Hello. profession. <laughs> Loud noises. Become a seamster or something. He, he goes into a crowd of people. I can't get the speech. He's I'm like, too nervous. I, and then they all wanna, cheer and then he gets scared. I don't like it. Yeah. But let's, like, dude, yeah. you just gotta, this is your whole job. Kind of makes you wonder who ran against him. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe nobody. <laughs> or maybe or maybe <laughs> that's just, why people liked him because he was kind of the opposite of like a big blustery guy. And maybe so. Maybe he seemed more down to earth. Calvin Coolidge was also an introvert, which according to Nathan might be a mental illness. <laughs> I don't know why he listed that while he was listing people. He was in the paragraph that uh, that I read about anxiety disorders, mm, yep. social phobias. Uh, Ronald Reagan struggled with Alzheimer's later in his life. See, I kind of struggle with that being a mental illness. Yeah, I know. I know that it is in that it's something that your affects brain, your brain. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, yeah, I thought yeah. I would mention it, but mostly because it's up for debate whether or not he was struggling with it during the during presidency. It, yeah, that has kind of been a point of argument. I would just add, in that same study, 8% of the presidents exhibited evidence of alcohol abuse or dependence. Let's hop there. I think that's kind of where I want to lead to maybe end us off. Uh, That's a good idea. Substance abuse is pretty unsurprisingly, I'll say, a common thing. Because of what we already talked about. Right. The stress of the job. It's just one of those unhealthy coping mechanisms. Now, that being said, several people in this little list struggled with it before the presidency. Right. But again, that goes back to having something that you're already struggling with or predisposed to struggle with, and it gets exacerbated by a stressful situation. Exactly. So George W. Bush beat alcoholism before his presidency. He did not relapse into it during the presidency that anyone knows of. Even socially, he wouldn't have any drinks. And again, he just seemed like a normal dude. I like him. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think... W. George W., is the Republican version of Barack Obama because, like, you may not agree with their politics, but you can, like, genuinely like them as Just a person. Just like the guy. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. you seem like a cool dude. Yeah, I would say go have a beer with him, but you wouldn't want to do that with Bush. Yeah, well, not with, <laughs> not with W. That's bad. Don't make him fall off the have, wagon. Have a lemonade or something. Uh, Nathan told me that Andrew Johnson, who is Lincoln's second vice president, arrived drunk to his own vice presidential inauguration. Oops. Yep. And so he became president. Yes. And that goes back to what you talked about before about becoming president in a very traumatic way. Yeah. You know, so and if he was already struggling. Predisposed to that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that he struggled with that. Uh, Richard Nixon abused alcohol and drugs even while acting as president. Which could be the reason he made so many bad Bad choices. choices. (laughs) John F. Kennedy, I thought this was interesting, was addicted to painkillers, stimulants, and anti-anxiety medication due to suffering from anxiety. That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't have pegged him as that. Mm -mm. But we all have something. And Ulysses S. Grant was an alcoholic. But again, (laughs) this goes to like cultural stuff where that was just expected of Mm -hmm. the time to use alcohol in that way. A biographer of Grant named Jeffrey Perret, 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 I don't know, explained the entire staff as well as most of Grant's division and corps commanders was well aware of his drinking problem. Hmm. Although, that being said, I, I read that it seemed like it was he was a pretty functioning alcoholic. <laughs> I read that one time he fell off his horse during a military parade. <laughs> in New Orleans because he was so drunk. Oh, no. But that was just once. That's just... You just, fall off a horse one time and they no one funny. lets you forget it. <laughs> you have one beer, you fall off your horse, and everybody says you're an alcoholic. That's where the falling off the wagon came from. <laughs> ah! <laughs> they should call it falling off the horse. Falling off the horse. That's where <laughs> this where pulling yourself back up by your bootstraps came from, too. Grant oh, literally did it. man. <laughs> but there was not much evidence that Grant overindulged before joining the army, which, again, we have to look at the culture of army life, basically, right. and how that's pretty accepted to do that. And we can mention if you're in a war, there's it's trauma. Kind of stressful. Yes. Yeah. So you're probably doing unhealthy trauma coping mechanisms with that. Mm-hmm. And after the war, he could mostly control his drinking with the help of people around him. But like you said, that was not foolproof. It said by most accounts, he stayed fairly clean and sober during his presidency. But there were a lot of scandals in his campaign and there was a lot to handle. There was a lot of stress that could have triggered that. But he still won a second term. So hmm. people must have liked him. I guess so. Pierce died of cirrhosis of the liver Okay, that they attributed to alcohol abuse. Sure. Yeah, definitely not an exhaustive list. No. 
if you were to ask me before I had looked at any of this, what I would think most presidents would suffer from, I would say either anxiety. depression or substance abuse. Oh, really? Yeah. Anxiety, depression kind of go hand in hand. Well, I, I was going to say anxiety kind of is causing the... Well, and we know that depression, anxiety, substance abuse are all very highly correlated well, yeah. with each other, where they're often comorbid, which right. just means that we would diagnose them at the same time mm-hmm. if we were diagnosing them. So I think that as we end, we should go back to what you said in the beginning about the main reason we're doing this is not to just be like, all the presidents have been right. on this, wah, wah, wah. No, I think but, what, but what we need to say, look at is everyone mm-hmm. might struggle with a mental illness. I right. mean, most people might, and that doesn't mean that they should be excluded from holding office. Right. As long as they have it under control. Go to a therapist. I'm just saying. Everyone it. go to a therapist. <laughs> Even therapists go to a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, sipsters, if you're thinking, well, you know, I have a you know, certain mental illnesses that that might hold me back from certain things. Right. To just remember that when you get help and you manage it and you and you build positive coping skills, that there shouldn't be limits to what you can accomplish in your life. Mm-hmm. So Be like Lincoln. Yeah. Find good, healthy coping mechanisms. Like killing vampires. (laughs) I think we have a little confusion about that. And going to plays. Wait, no, not that one. Go to plays. Yeah. So I think that's it. Again, we are not historians by any means. We are not historians and we cannot diagnose these people from a distance. Right. This is not a So basically we didn't do anything just now. About anyone living or dead. That is... Major disclaimer. Yes, major disclaimer. We just wanted to talk to you about this stuff for a while. We just... I think it's good to look at history and... Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Can I thank our listeners? Please do. For putting up with us? Please do. (laughs) Sipsters, it's so good to have you with us every single time you join us. We really appreciate it. And we love to see those reviews. And we would love if you would give us your address we've established is what we're looking for. Physical address. Your physical address so that we can send you a sticker after you review us. Because that way we know you're listening and we know you're hanging out with us, having a (laughs) beverage with us, whatever you do with us. Thinking about history. They talk about all the historical stuff that we don't really know a lot about but nathan helps us thanks nathan yeah thank you for joining us today and please be with us next time yes thank you so much for listening you can find us on social media twitter instagram facebook we are freudian sips pod on everything as well as our site freudian if you want to get a hold of us directly you can email us freudian at gmail.com and that is where you should send your physical mail address if mm-hmm. you leave us a review so we can send you a sticker we are on patreon if you want to support the show we are freudian sips pod on there as well we actually just recorded a few of our book chapters so those will be going up soon yes please leave us a nice rating interview if you can and then let us know so we can send you a sticker and reward you for that and in the meantime we will see you next week probably (laughs) we don't know at any given point we'll see you next time (laughs) our theme music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this (laughs) 